Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a special podcast. I have a good friend of mine who's actually not that far away from me, but unfortunately, we can't be in the same room together because we're in lockdown. But I have the one, the oh-so-famous mixer, Alex Grotto with me. Alex, what's up? Thank you, Jason. <laughs> I don't know why I do these WWE-like intros. I'm like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> but I just feel like when you when you hit the record button on a podcast, you like you have to do silly stuff like that. You gotta, you gotta spice it up a bit. You gotta, yes. you gotta make people fall in love with it. It works. <laughs> I just, every time, every time I do one, and afterwards, I'm like, did I really just say something <laughs> like that? Did I, did I really just do that? Anyways, we got some great topics today. I know everyone that's watching, listening, um, if, 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 if you can pay attention right now, make sure you're paying attention. If not, uh, you're going to want to save this episode because it's going to be a very fun episode. But hey, Alex, for everyone out there that's watching, listening right now and kind of you know don't know who you are and what your background is, I love starting all this podcast off with a little origin story because I'm always super fascinated to find out how people got into the automotive industry. So, Alex, what is the origin story of how you got into the automotive industry? That's a great question, Jason. I'm glad you asked. So, I got started in the automotive industry, actually, just coming back from out west when the oil field had tanked. The oil prices had crashed uh, from $126 a barrel down to $50. Uh, so, it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was getting hard to make some money. Uh, I came back uh, fully expecting to be a stationary engineer, which is what I did a lot of out west. Uh, and I had a buddy tell me, he's like, ah, you know what, Alex? We got the gift of gab. Why don't you try? Uh, once you try selling cars, I said, "There's no way. I don't know if you can make any money. I'm like convincing people to buy things they don't want, and then all the negative connotations that people think of sometimes when they think of a car sale." Uh, so I gave it a shot. I, I applied to a couple places, didn't hear back. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a call from a Mazda store, uh, who you know graciously took me on, mm -hmm. uh, and haven't looked back since. Well, until recently, I'm actually coming back to the automotive industry. After being out of it for a few months and realized how much I missed it, and you know, that I had to come back, dude. That is the industry. I mean, just once you think you're out, it sucks you back in. Like, it, I, so many people have a similar story to that, right? I mean, I was the same way when I when I sold my Mitsubishi dealership. There was like a like a six week period where I was like, I'm not doing automotive anymore. In fact, actually, I went and got my real estate license. I'm like, I'm gonna go open up a brokerage and do all that stuff. And no. The automotive industry it just gets into your skin and you know, into your blood. It doesn't go away, but we're glad that you're here and we got some great topics today. Um, I think our first topic is actually a fun one, and I think it's also a very timely one. You know, there are a lot of dealerships out there right now that uh, some are running at full staff, some are running at half staff, some are running at a skeleton staff. And I find that as the staff gets smaller and the dealerships that are running on those smaller staff, uh, uh, staff levels is that respect starts to kind of fall yeah. apart, you know, culture starts to fall apart. And when culture starts falling apart, respects kind of goes along with that. You know, when, when we talk about respecting your staff, you know, I think a lot of people can think of a lot of different things, right? It's um, the way we talk to them, the way we communicate with them. But I'm kind of curious from you, you know, yeah. when you think of respecting your staff, all right, what, what do you think? I think, Jason, when you talk about respecting your staff, I had, you know, the privilege to be a salesperson and I had the privilege to be a manager. 
And, and so I really got to see both in, in, in about a five-year span, mm-hmm. uh, two and a half years in each. So I think respecting your sales staff, I, I once had a great GM when I started, actually a lot of great GMs, but my, one of my favorite GMs when I first started in the car industry. And he would come in every, he, you know, yeah, first one in, yep. uh, you know, he, and he had the right to leave a five. He had been in the industry for like 30 years. You know, to me, you've earned that right. Uh, the first one in, constantly working, sometimes didn't take a lunch, remembered your name, who you are, didn't matter what, right? To me, that was a level of respect that made me work harder for him because he remembered stuff about me. I don't care if he wrote it on a piece of paper or if he had sticky notes all over his computer as he walked, he's like, yeah, great, that's, that's how he does that again. Oh, that's fantastic. Like, I don't care what it is. That little amount of respect will yield more profits. And the same can be said about the opposite. Mm-hmm. If you're having a bad day as a man, and you, you own dealership, you know, if you're having a bad day, profitability's down, things aren't going the way they should, you have a tendency to sometimes take it on your staff or go, well, you know, sales staff's not doing what they're supposed to. They're not calling people. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. Most communication is not verbal, right? It's what you see people, you know, how the official reactions are, their posture, the whole nine So when you start to portray that to your sales staff, I mean, have you ever had someone come in your podcast room and yell at you at the top of your lungs? And you go, you know what? Today's going to be a great day. Not yet. <laughs> It doesn't happen, right? It, it, it doesn't happen. No one's going to do that. So if we wouldn't like if it's done to us, how can we expect any different results from our sales staff? How can we expect them to be in a good mood, to sell, to, you know, to push forward during these unprecedented times that no one's ever lived through? You know, that, that, that's, that's a lot to ask for someone. And, and the harder you work, the harder they see you working, you know, they, they might do the same thing. And even if they don't, Respect they might have something going on in their life. Respect that they might be having a bad day, that they might not be able to pay their rent or their mortgage. Um, there's a lot a of point. things that go into day-to-day operations in a dealership. So it's so easy to see the negative sometimes. No, it, look, it, look I, th- I think you're so right. I mean, we're really, when we're talking about respect, we're, we're talking about respecting that individual, <laughs> right? Um, and, and every individual situation, uh, their emotions, their day can all be different, right? And look, this kind of leans into maybe a little bit more about like emotional intelligence, which, which Alex, I will be the first one to admit to you that my emotional intelligence is just crap. All right. I just, I do not pick up on, on certain cues. I, I really struggle to try to understand why someone's complaining about this or having a hard day about that. Like I, I, I really struggle with that. So I, I find for me, you know, like everybody needs to feel respected. I think that's a, like, that's a, I, I especially think within a dealership, um, that is kind of a requirement for a team to execute really what you're ultimately, you know, looking to get them to do. But, but the question is, is like, how does someone feel respect? And to your point, Alex, you were kind of talking about it. Like everybody feels it differently, right? Yeah. Everybody receives respect differently. And sometimes it can be um, a pat on the back or it can be, you know, a, an, open, uh, an, an open statement of appreciation, yeah, right. like you're doing a great job today. Something exactly. It, it could be happen. a note. It could be a physical yeah. note. I write it out. Say I really appreciate this, this, that. You know. So, so I think what it is is, I found with my my team, like I had to kind of understand each person, mm-hmm. and how they saw respect. Right. Um, some people saw respect in money. Right. Yep. If I gave them money, that's how they saw my respect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, other other team members saw respect in time all right did i spend time face to face one-on-one with them 
right? Yeah. So I think what it is, is I think there's a way to process respect. And I'd like to get your thoughts on how you think as an industry, especially at a kind of a, a dealership, you know, management level, you know, for people out there like me, who's not very EQ, you know, savvy. <laughs> all right. Uh, I have to have a process to follow. Like I really do to get stuck, to get shit done. So, so what, or how would you kind of process respect within a, a sales team or any team, I guess? Yeah, that you know what that's that's a great question. During my stint as manager, I, I did develop kind of uh, one-on-ones as much as I could, uh, even if it was a five-minute powwow. If everyone was sitting at the desk, if we have a tendency to break up because it's clingy, I get it. Um, but you'd go there, hey, how was your weekend? You know, uh, how's things going? How's the girlfriend? How's the job going? Uh, what's bugging you today? What bugs you about the job? And just sometimes these off-cue questions. Mm-hmm. You can really get a real answer out of somebody because if I'm, it's like an interview. If I'm ready for you to ask me questions, I know the answer to it's scripted. It's a hundred percent scripted. Yes. If I come to you out of nowhere and ask me a question you weren't expecting, the odds are I'm going to get a real response, even if it's not a positive one, but that's, it's just about spending that time. But like you said, not everyone has, we'll call it emotional intelligence. I'll be honest, millennials and I am a millennial. We, that is, that is very much our era of our generation, whatever you want to call it. That is us. We are very emotionally intelligent. However, you know, it's not perfect. We lack in other areas, but that's one of them. Um, so I think as you see these ranks start to come up, you're going to see a lot more of that. You're going to see a lot more workspaces that are developing huddles on how people's day went. Uh, Saturday like morning that. meetings that are less about numbers and more about people. Um, the, it goes such a long way. But, you know, to, to answer your question, I, I think it's just huddles. I think sometimes the best like, answer is... I like easy. that process. That's, that's, that's a really good process. I like the idea of a huddle. In fact, actually, I had someone, someone who worked for me, called it a, was it a scrub? Scrum? <laughs> I guess what it was. It was a millennial. Um, it was, I was like, like, what the hell was that? And they're, and they're like, these like quick, snappy check-ins. Um, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, what's the intent behind the check-in? You know, uh, to, to make sure shit's getting done. Well, yes, that's one part, but also to, it's an emotional check-in. Okay, well, fine. You can go do that. Um, <laughs> you can, but you, you know what, though? But, you might actually be more emotional intelligent than you think. Well, he, would, he pushed me. He did. He, he did. He pushed me to be a part of these things. Yeah, but and, you still excited. You move forward with it. And 100%. It 100%. So you're more maybe emotionally intelligent than you think, and that's what I mean. It's not something that you can't learn. It's like the art of negotiation. I don't believe anyone that starts is good at negotiation. I truly yep. don't. I'm a naturally good negotiator. Yeah, I doubt it. You're probably good, but not as good as you think. But you can learn from really good people out there, and you can get better as you go along and the more mistakes you make. So the, the same thing goes for that. It's absolutely no different. Well, and you know what I found was, is, and he taught me this, which was actually kind of cool, I mean, um, was to emotionally connect with someone. Um, the byproducts is respect. They feel respected when you emotionally connect with them. All right. Um, but the quickest path to do so was just being straight up transparent, yeah. which actually ironically was easy for me um, because I didn't want to fluff anything. You know, I wanted to just get to straight to the point where like, hey, shit's rough right now. This is going to be hard, but this is this is how I feel about it. This is how I want to know how you guys feel about it. And let's make sure we're all on the same page. And that's the, the, things really started to turn around for me. Um, but that's, but that's what, I, that's what it required. I think to, to get to that place of respect, you had to emotionally connect with them. Don't you agree? Yeah. And I agree with that hundred percent. I think you just hit the nail on the head though. 
is, is saying, I do this, this is my goal, what do you guys think, but this is where we need to be. Because there's more than one way to get to one destination. It doesn't have to be the same way every time. Yes. Right? Like, that, that doesn't exist. So it would be huge. It would be, that would be astronomical. You'd see, as we become okay with, which is not okay. Um, you know, things could just get better from there. But these things take time to implement. Uh, they take patience. It mm-hmm. takes buy-in from all your staff. It's the same way when people see mom and dad fighting in a dealership. You see the GM and the managers fighting. You see anything. Your morale has gone down the toilet before you even noticed it. And you may as well start pressing the next thing. That's so true. That's so true. You know, the candid response, but it's the truthful one. Sometimes it is. It is. That's the reality. But I, th- I think yeah. if anybody out there watching, listening, if, if you're, you're hearing me and Alex kind of go back and forth, really what we're telling you is that you, you, need, to, you need to commit to a schedule, right? Because if you're like me and it doesn't come natural, some people it comes natural, right? It's like they can just bounce in and out of emotionally connecting with their staff and making them feel respected. Uh, for me, that wasn't the case. I had to schedule it. Otherwise, it would never get done, right? And that's what you were kind of talking about earlier with the huddles, or what that one guy I had that called it a scrum. That's a hell of the hell that is. Um, <laughs> but just to shift our conversation a little bit, because um, yeah. there's something I really wanted to talk to you about, because I know that you have a lot of experience in this. And yeah. um, you know, we both create a lot of video content. I think that's actually how I think we connected. I was trying to think about how we connected before I jumped on the podcast. And I think you posted a video and I commented on it. And then I think it just kind of snowballed from that point. All right. But, but for a long time, you've been generating sales opportunities or or sales. All right. Mm -hmm. Through video. And I know we've had several different discussions on this, you know, before, but I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on, on, on how important it is right now. Cause I think it's very timely. All right. Yep. And for the people out there watching, listening, and they are kind of on the fence mm-hmm. of getting their team to use video to generate sales, I know you got some great ideas about this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So, uh, the first things first, I'm, I'm a stranger, you know that. If you're not willing to make videos, you're going to get left behind and you're going to make less money than everyone else. So, if you want to do that, fine. But if you don't, uh, then I suggest you jump on the train. But now, good for you. There's more than one. It's like a good train, multiple yep. ways you can get in. Some are busier than others. But ultimately, you want the back loop, and no one is. So let's talk about some of the easier ways to create content. One of which is not even being in the video. You don't have to be in a video for it to be a good video. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of sales staff that were so nervous to be in video, so nervous. Why won't these guys create it? Like I don't get it. And it, you know, I had a sales guy come up to me and say, "Alex, I just I don't want to face it. I'm nervous." I said, "Um." I have a terrible looking face. I'm in all of them now, but <laughs> he's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I'm like, okay, so don't go in the video. He's like, just shoot a video of the car talking. I'm like, yeah, say their first name, not their last. Shoot a video of the vehicle, like shoot a video of the car and say three features you like about it. He's like, well, they might not like it. But that's fine. They're still going to appreciate that you did something for them that no one else did. Because the response ratio on videos, no matter how many times you tell people this, is astronomically higher than just sending an email. It's like the templates. I hate templates. Can't stand yes. templates. You know, it's the same thing. You, you got to be a real person, you know, and, and you got to send videos that are individualized to, to one person. I know some people say, hey, listen, you can create one car, one video, send it to multiple people. I don't like that. I, I, I don't think that's authentic. I had put a Mazda 3 video on YouTube, I remember, as a manager for uh, someone that called in during COVID. And I sent a video and got like 500 views. And I'm like, it was literally intended for one person. 
Yep. Um, and who knows who saw that? Maybe they got some information out of it, the whole nine yards. Um, but just get comfortable doing it. No one's good at something when they start. Okay. It, it takes, it takes forever. There's different things you have to be, you have to be good at different things in your craft to be at the, to be number one. And I've never met a salesperson that doesn't want to be at the top. Right. Well, and but I, I think it's deal? a mindset to get to that place. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, I've actually just left a meeting with the dealership uh, from a group wide. They're like, how do we get good at video? I'm like, well, yeah. are you doing any right now? No. Let's let's not focus on how you're going to get good at video. Let's just focus on just doing it first, and then we'll talk about how we can get good at it. But but to your point, one of the first things is just accepting that you're going to fail at it. Yeah. Go into this knowing that the first dozen times or two dozen or three dozen times you do this, it's going to be horrible. It's going to feel uncomfortable. All right. It's going it, it, to, you're probably going to ramble on. It's, you probably went in the intent of making a one minute video that turned into a seven and a half minute video. All right. But, you know, but, but I actually think it's really, really important for um, all salespeople right now and, and even managers to be doing video because, you know, there's not a lot of traffic coming in through the door. All right. Okay. So we don't, get to utilize our gift of gab maybe as much as we have in the past. So I feel, I, I feel when I watch one person walk through the dealership right now, it's like they all jump up and they almost kind of forget everything that they normally do. So it's a great way to stay in practice and communicating. But to your point, it's just being real. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, let's say, let's say people got the mindset. Now they're listening yeah. to us. They're ready to hit the red button and start recording. All right. What's some of the best advice you can give them about what they should be saying versus what they shouldn't be saying? Avoid things. Maybe um, I, I would avoid things like the last name. Don't say people's last name because it gets super uncomfortable, obviously, and they might not want it on the internet. But so avoid doing that. Avoid making the videos unless the customer asked over three minutes long, even than that. Mm -hmm. You'll be surprised how long someone will listen when the video is tailored to them. When it's like our, uh, our, our inner ego kicks in when we hear our own name on a video, right? We're like, oh, I don't know. They, they, made this, they, they made this for me. This is custom. Sure. And, and people really do appreciate that. So, and avoid being, avoid taking 10 videos because what's going to happen is you're going to take 10 tries. Then that's going to eat up 15 minutes for conversation's sake. You then have to upload the video, not don't edit it, upload the video, post a comment, send an email. And, and the longer this takes, the more you're thinking about it. It's kind of like cold calls. The longer yeah. you think, the worse it gets. No, that's a great point. I mean, send out your first take. That's it. And, Every time. And I don't even care if you drop the phone or it's, it's a, you, it's you a use a four-letter word. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Well, I would, um, but, you know, but, but look, there's, there's transparency in just being real. Right. And I don't think anybody's looking for a super polished, high production piece. All right. What they're looking for is they're looking for the FaceTime version of yep. you just telling them about the vehicle. But I think to your point, it's, it's, it's making that video uh, unique to the customer behind it. Right. So their name yeah. is definitely a big one. But also, you know, I think it's almost kind of kicking it old school of finding out why they want this vehicle. Are they replacing yeah. it? Are they, are they going from a smaller one to a bigger one? Are they going to a bigger one to a smaller one? Are they just, do they have the older model and now they want the newer model, right? You got to find out the, the one or two things on why they've chosen that particular model versus the other. Maybe it's the blue paint. So then, it, it, then during your video, anything, right? talk about the freaking blue paint. Get 
up and close and show it in the sun and show where there are scratches. I think that's the other thing too. It's like be totally transparent. Show oh, yeah. it all. Show the yeah. good, the bad, and the ugly. Don't you think? Oh, you're 100 percent right. You couldn't. You could have been more right. On used cars, show every dent, thing, scratch. Doesn't matter what. Show everything, and don't be afraid to inject some humor in it. You know, if you get a truck in, and <laughs> yeah. the odds are someone's buying a truck for the for the size of the bed. It, odds are not 100. percent Now, so lay in the back of the bed. Take them. Say, look. Say, I'm five seven, but it fits me. You know, like. Do do whatever. Do something and inject some humor so they're going to remember you. Because I can guarantee you the next time they submit an email to another person, it's going to be a templated answer. It's not going to have a video. And subconsciously, they're going to be like, I kind of want to see this because I kind of want to see that car in person. And like you said, you can even better. If you can find one thing they like, oh, you, you are miles ahead if you make a video of that. Yeah, because it can be anything. It could be just because I, I got we have another kid. And now I need a third row. Okay, cool. Yeah. You can focus 75% of your video about that additional room. It's like the walk and around, right? the safety find features. Out about their trade when you find out something it's, like that. I know. It's, isn't that it's, funny? exactly where you're going, right? Like, like so, we do this process inside the dealership. We have no problem doing yeah. it when they're inside the dealership. Not, not a video. But when they're online, isn't that weird? It's like we treat digital customers like they're a different species of some kind. Like they're not actual customers because they're internet customers. Until you sell them, in which case you're like, oh, then, I had the best yeah. Oh, but we can. treat them differently. Yeah, we treat them differently. We create content differently for them. And it's like, no, it was just, it's the same process just online, right? Oh. Every, everything's just been sped up. You know, the, the meet and greet doesn't happen inside the dealership anymore. It happens online, all right? The, the, the qualifying, if I like you or not, all right, is not going to happen inside the dealership. Now it's going to happen online. It speeds up the entire process. Don't you find that when these people come in, all right, the, the amount of time from, from hello, my name is to purchase drastically changes? Oh, 100%. When you can break that barrier uh, over, over video, that whole process speeds up. It's friendlier. It's easier. You know what they like. You've got the car pulled up. You know the questions they're about to ask. That relationship is a lot easier to build now because you've broken that barrier. A cold customer is much harder to close that just comes in off the street. That's way, way harder. They don't trust you yet. And they shouldn't. You haven't earned that right yet. So a video is kind of a jump start. And if it gives you an edge, why wouldn't you take it? Right? Now, do you see, you see the hockey players today using wooden sticks? No. They use composite and all these other fancy stuff because it flexes. It goes 90 kilometers an hour. So why right. are they, don't use stuff in the past. You just keep, keep moving forward. Take every edge that you can. Well, you know what? And we talked a little bit already about like just getting over your fear, accepting the failure and getting into it. But let's talk a little bit about the management's responsibility here, which I think is a good segue into our next conversation where we're talking about monkey see, monkey do. Right? Too often I'll sit down with a manager like, I can't get my team to do any videos. And my first question, my very first question was, okay, how many videos did you do this week? But none. <laughs> Yeah, so you expect them to do something you're not. Right. That, and I know that's the old school mentality that does not work with millennials very well. No, so so t so let's talk a little bit more about that monkey see, monkey do uh, management style. Because again, it's not necessarily a new like no. methodology or, or, you know, around management, sure, right? But it, it, it freaking works. But it seems like as an industry, we've kind of forgotten about this. So can you elaborate a little bit what, what, what do you think when you hear monkey see, monkey do management? Yeah, monkey see, monkey do management to me is the, the huddles that management has during, it really is no off time, but during when you need a break, 
right? The manager's getting to his offices. They're all sitting down in GM's office. They're all sitting down in the finance office. He's got office, new car office. They're all sitting down somewhere. And, you know, they're gabbing away about the weekend or maybe even what plans they have. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But the perception to your sales staff is now you can all be in a room, but they can't be at the same desk. So you're better than them. Again, this goes back to the, the first topic that we hit of respecting your sales staff. That part of respect is them seeing the same thing. So if they see you hard at work the entire time, if they see you grinding away, making videos, doing all this stuff, I doubt very much you'll see that many huddles. And if you do, you might just have the wrong staff. Like the odds are you're going to generate more, you're going to generate more, you're going to generate more profit, you're going to generate more videos, you're going to generate more positivity. I mean, the list goes on and on. No, but but we have to live it. See, here's the Uh, issue. It, It can't just be a good idea. I hate good ideas, by the way. Good, good ideas live in a world without execution, right? A, yeah. a good idea is only as good as actually how well it can be executed. So right. it, it's not enough that we say, oh, yeah, you know, Alex, Jason, I agree with you. You guys are totally right on this one. You know, I got to lead by example. But go do it. You just got to freaking do it, which is then I, mean, I, get, I think it comes it, down to process, don't you think? Yeah, 100%. It comes down to process. It comes to a little training. I mean, you know, Brian Tracy had the best and a salesperson on average only spent 90 minutes a day talking to a customer, whether it's via email, whether it's via face-to-face. So what are you doing the rest of the day? Yep. That comes down to structuring and that comes down to a process. But your sales staff might not see you doing that process. They're like, well, he can be successful just kind of sitting there and kind of working on and off. Well, no, no, he can't. You know, they, they might not know you're working all the time from home or answer all these emails from your phone. Exactly. Like, they might not know all that stuff. So guide them. Show them that that's not okay. Break up those huddles more often. Get get your owner, get whoever to say, hey, listen, guys, you got to break up the huddle. No, and I think that's a good point, you know, but again, if we're not processing it and like, I, I don't know about you, but I live and die by my calendar. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I look at video and I look at, you know, the activities I need to do is that everything I do is scheduled. All yeah. right. You know, it's so funny when I started scheduling in my phone, um, lot walks where I would just purposely, I had, I had a schedule on my phone twice a day. All right. It was actually for a lot of other reasons too. I just need to get out of my desk. Uh, that was one thing, right? Because I was just, it wasn't good for me and my back and my posture to be sitting at the desk for eight hours, 10 hours straight. Like it just, it was not a good thing. Right. So I started scheduling, you know, lot walks and sure enough, it was amazing. Started seeing some of my home sales people getting up and Walking the lot and checking stuff out. And it was like, yeah, they would come over to me. Hey, Jay, did you notice that CRV out there with a cracked windshield? I said, yeah, when the hell did that happen? I don't know. Well, we better get it fixed. You know, like, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe someone took it out for a drive and didn't tell us that a rock hit the windshield. But I mean, that would screw a a cell if that customer was to come in, but I wouldn't have known unless we actually took the time, but it had, it had to be a process. But then I go into, you know, I'm going to take this kind of into our next topic where I talk to a lot of managers like, Jay, Alex, I get you, man. I got to lead by example. I got the monkey see monkey do. If I do it, they do it. I totally understand. I get this, but I'm overloaded. I, I, I got more stuff. I, I can't even finish 70% of my to-do list every single day. I feel like I'm the jack of all trades and master of absolutely nothing, which I think is a pandemic in itself in our industry, and maybe even more so now because there's so many dealerships out there that are running with half staff or skeleton staff. But I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on, on how, do we, how do we avoid manager overload? 
Yeah, that's that, that's a good one. That might even go higher for me. Uh, I think, you know, again, I had a little bit of time to experience manager overload portion, and it did break me down quite a bit, actually. Um, I think a way that you avoid that is you find the people that want to learn. You find the, the Jason Harris, the Alex Stratos, everything you've had in your podcast, right? You find those people that really love working and love the industry, and maybe you give them, you know what, your responsibility is to... I don't answer all the emails. Your responsibility is to write the description for cars because you want to be a manager one day and this does come with the job. Yep. So maybe it's a little bit of delegation, but not in the way where you're trying to give all the work to someone. You're showing them how to do it and you're trusting them with responsibility, right? That's one thing. The other way they'd have to look at it, and I've never been an owner or a GM for that matter, but you got to look at it and say, okay, is, is my used car manager, is my new car manager, is my finance manager, do they have enough work or do they have too much work? Because too much work will bleed into everything. And it all comes back into the monkey see, monkey do. It all comes back into respect to your sales staff because you have no time for that because they're so busy now. You, you gotta, you, it, it all comes back, back to emotional intelligence. You gotta, you gotta touch in with every single department and say, listen, you know what? Uh, I noticed you're busy. What if I had the new car manager help you out with this? What if we did this? Or maybe, um, maybe the way you're doing it is kind of inefficient. Not in a bad way. Sure. Maybe just not doing it in a good way. Let, let me show you a different way to do it. Help them. Don't tell them. Well, and I think it's to the owner's responsibility to create a culture where you can have open conversations around overload. Yeah. You know, um, talk to a lot of managers and they don't want, they don't want to admit that they're overloaded, right? In fear that, you know, maybe the owner will just find someone else for the job. Right. Yep. But it has to, you know, it comes from the top down to be able to have a comfortable conversation or a real, just honest conversation. Say, look, boss, I know you want me to write the descriptions on all these cars. You want me to create deal sheets for customers that are coming in through service for, you know, trade offers. You know, you want me to, it, you, I don't, there's not enough time in the day to get what this stuff done. And I, I agree, like all of these ideas are great. These strategies are awesome. They need to be done. But I think as an industry, or it's at a management level, we need to be able to have more open conversations of saying this is not going to get done. You're right. And, and I think, it, it, again, it comes down to, like you said, a fish rots from the head down, yep. right? You have, to, you have to figure out what's going on. There has to be buy-in here for there to be buy-in for your sales staff. For sure. And that takes time and that takes getting to know people. I mean, kind of a quick story, I guess. I had a sales guy who was struggling financially and I could kind of see it. I always rip him for bringing to Starbucks and all the time. It's too much money. I can't fathom spending that much money on coffee. <laughs> but he's, you know, I busted his chops, busting his chops. And, he, and one day he comes to me, he's like, oh, I'm kind of stressed. I said, what's up? He goes, my home life, man. I, I live at home and I have no money. And he was selling 10 cars a month. He wasn't doing bad. It was his first year there. He was doing good. And, and I said, okay, well, are you budgeting? And this is where it comes to emotional intelligence. He says, well, no. I invited him over to my house. I downloaded an app for him. We started budgeting with his money, kind of allocating it wherever. I said, no more Starbucks, no more this, no more that. The following month, he had the best month on record that he had had at the dealership. Sure. Whether it's coincidental or not, which I don't think it is. He's like, Alex, I moved out. I rented my own place. I now have more money renting than I did living with my parents, and I'm selling more cars. That's emotional intelligence and respect recognizing that there's a problem, fixing it, and then creating a better salesperson. 100%. Look, at the end of the day, we, all, we know this, and, then, and it sh there should be more reports on this, but happy staff make for happy customers, which makes for more profitability. Every time. It, it, every time. Like, we, we know it, 
All right. But it's just, are we willing to sit down to develop out the processes to make sure that it, it happens? Right. I mean, like, you know, do we, we care that our customers are happy, right? We do, we do. We do. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll spend tons of money in collecting Google reviews and responding to these reviews and sending out CSI reports. Like we operationally will allocate a ridiculous amount of time to ensure that our customer is happy, but operationally, how much of our time gets allocated to ensure that our staff is happy? Well, Jason, you know this, you, you had a measure, you know that as well as I do, how much money is allocated for customers that are upset? Sure. That have lost their winter tires. That something wasn't in the deal that they said. Have slush how much funds money, just for it, right? How much? How much money do you allocate just towards just towards your sales staff? Just buying them a lunch every now and then, or maybe saying, "Hey, let me take you out to lunch." You know, if, when my jam ever told me that, or when he bought me lunch, I'm like, "Wow, the boss wants to talk to me. Like, this is exciting. I can pick his brain because he's super successful, right?" Maybe oh, yeah. not everyone thinks like that, but those that creates more opportunity. We spend millions of dollars in this industry, if not more, on customer satisfaction. Maybe it's time to start, maybe not millions, but maybe it's time to start spending money on the staff and how they care and how they feel. And, you know, when you do that and you tell people they want to be the best, like I said at the beginning, every sales guy wants to be the best in the world, right? I, I haven't met one that doesn't want to be the best yet. Um, and I don't know if you're a fan of boxing and all, but Floyd Mayweather, right? Yep. Calls himself TBE, the best ever. And he says in one of his Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame speeches, he says, if you don't want, I, I call myself the best ever. And if you don't want to be the best ever, then you're in the wrong sport. I told myself that the same thing. I said, if you don't want to be number one on that board, why are you even here? And exactly. some of them got motivated by that. And then I said, no, all right, you know what? Top salesperson, I'll buy you lunch. I'll do this. I'll do that. Uh, I, I bought, we bought the one guy a coat. Like, it doesn't <laughs> matter what it is. Just make people want to be hungry. Find out what drives them. Use the emotional intelligence, motivate, and profitability. It'll go up. Well, you know, I think a lot of the things that we've kind of discussed today all kind of leads back to top-down culture direction. Yeah. You know, I mean, we talked about respecting your staff and, you know, the byproduct of, or, or to get to respect, um, we have to emotionally connect. And, and we have to figure out each salesperson how we do that, right? We talked about, you know, how video and how it generates sales. And look, let's say, why does that happen? It's because in that video, you're connecting, you're emotionally connecting with the customer. Like everything that we talk about today is about connecting, right? Monkey see, monkey do, right? Like, again, it's like, it's connecting. I see my boss doing stuff and I see them doing it. Like, I, 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 I want to emulate that individual. I'm going to go do the exact same thing. And then, yeah. ma and then manager overload. Look, if we're, if we're going to try to create a happy, a happy staff, all right, we got to create a place where it's safe to actually have conversations that there's just not enough time in the day. And there, it, but if it, it, and have a conversation around the process, that's going to be required to actually get that done. And it might need to bring more bodies in, or it might just be a reallocation of time and effort, you know, but I think our entire conversation so far has been around connecting. Is there anything that any final thoughts around just overall connecting with staff, connecting with customers that you have? I, you know what? I, I challenge any GM or any manager because I know that's, I think that's the vast majority of your podcasts. I don't know how many sales people, but we're going to get some more in here. We're yep. going to get some more listeners. Exactly. But for, for the managers and GM, I challenge you, go up to a salesperson that you don't know that well, because there's always one you don't know that well, or I don't care, service staff, whoever, they're all important. Yep. Go up to that person, take them out to lunch, learn a little bit more about them. Be surprised how much you connect on an emotional level and see if it spikes productivity the next month. I like just, that. Man, if I'm wrong, hey, message me. If I'm right, eh, you should probably message me anyway. 
<laughs> Alex will actually pick up the tab for his, for the lunch. I'm just messing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just no, messing. Okay, for nine ninety nine. That's about as good as it gets. <laughs> hey, Alex, man, this has been uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we've covered some great topics today, but before I let you go, for everybody that's watching and listening uh, right now and enjoying the conversation, and you know maybe want to continue to have the conversation or connect with you, what is the best way to do so? Best way to do so is probably on Facebook. So it's just Alexander Grado or uh, connecting with me on LinkedIn. Again, same thing, Alex Grado. Email is alexgrado at gmail.com. I love talking all things automotive. Love the podcast with Jason Harris. Uh, any thoughts, anything I can improve on, please let me know. Uh, always looking forward to chat. That's awesome. Hey, thanks, Alex, for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. You have yourself an amazing day. You too, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.